When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Dr. D here, popping in just to tell you about our friendly neighborhood painting gallery. The Painting Gallery with No Name is a friendly painting competition to encourage accountability to that pile of shame. At the end of the season, praise and prizes will be given out as a reward. At the end of the season, the Fury's Finest Discord will vote on two winners. These winners will get a prize, and then we will raffle out additional prizes to the remaining participants. We will announce the winners on the show and celebrate one of the best parts of the hobby. This season's theme is an Asgardian. MCP, 3D printed, or a Marvel board game will all count as long as they follow this theme. Remember, take a picture of your unpainted or lightly painted model, then paint the heck out of it. Take four photos of your freshly completed masterpiece and send us all five photos to furypainting at gmail.com by October 3rd to submit your entry. Make sure your five pictures have your name on the file so we know who to send the prizes to. Good luck and have fun. I speak for everyone when I say we are excited to see what you managed to paint. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I'm doing great. We are we are ready. For just big news drops and MCP any day now. It card right. leaks anything. Very excited for it. Maybe by the time you're hearing this, they have happened. Uh, right. And you are eagerly awaiting to hear us talk about them. And we are not going to. And I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> if this is the case, we'll get them next week. I promise. But no, we're, we're going to see Pyro and Blobs cards eventually. The new Logan, the new Sabretooth eventually i'm of course yeah. those are what i'm super excited about but uh yeah it mcp's at a good spot right now man it's cool yeah we've been saying this every week and it's because the game has been in such a good spot and the news and the meta and everything has been such a cool spot lately it's no different and we got a lot of cool stuff coming up on the road to lvo so what we'll call it that late january time frame <laughs> where we got lots of cool stuff coming over the next coming months of the fall and winter and then we got this big world tournament event with fun tournaments and then the competitive tournament where you got to get a seat and we're going to learn a lot from the game you and i chris will be sitting doing this post february and be like oh man man what a ride it was between september and this february 2023 right and it's just a cool end point for us in the year and i say end point amg typically takes off some time 
during December. So December is a light news month, and which is fun for us here on Furious Finance because like last year we did a lot of MCU content. Yeah. Check those out if you haven't, but also, also more character episodes to kind of get caught up like we do. But AMG kind of takes the month of December pretty light. So just keep in mind September, October, November, probably lots of cool reveals, discussions, stuff coming out soon. And then December, they'll take off. And then January will be whatever they reveal to us potentially then. But more importantly, January is LVO. Getting a lot of information about the meta, who won LVO, what fun tournaments went on there, who had fun on certain events. Chris and I are going to LVO. This is all very exciting stuff. So it's like, despite December being lighter, the months leading up to December and then the month after December, January are just very heavy. So it's it's kind of like the way you want it because then you can spend time with family in December <laughs> and stuff and for the holidays. And um, I'm just really looking forward to all of it, man. Like you said, I've really got my eye on that Logan. I've really got my eye on just all this information on Sentinels and their cards and their affiliation. Oh. I don't want to get too excited until we have all the information yeah. in front of us, like where we have like the leadership, all the Sentinels, like who's on their affiliation list other than Cassandra Nova. Is it only Cassandra Nova? What tactics cards do they have? That type of stuff. But yeah, it's, it's just super exciting time. And, you know, it's an exciting time for us here on Furious Finance too, because we have been in the throes of convocation and we're kind of at an interesting point, Chris, where you and I had a discussion off mic about do we do magic with this or do we do magic with mutants? And since magic comes with her brother, Peter Rasputin, another mutant, magic is going to be on our next season of mutant content. So keep in mind, magic is a member of the convocation, a good member at that. She is kind of a go-to attrition piece for them, but in our hearts here on Fury's Finest, she's a mutant first. 100%. And that's the way we're going to approach her and Laura and doing her episode with other mutants in the future very soon. So stay tuned for our magic episode. So that kind of brings our convocation to a close. And what a bookend to close our convocation today, Chris, with someone in that convocation world as a main antagonist, but a different affiliation altogether, the leader of the dark dimension, the Lord of the dark dimension, Dormammu. What a character, what a character design. Not only in MCP, but in the comics, Dormammu's, man, he's so powerful, yet <laughs> so dumb. Dumb in a good he's, way. He's yeah, like, he's he those old school like threats from the 60s, literally. He absolutely is. And he goes to, we'll get into it more, but you know, he will go toe to toe with, you know, kind of these abstract Marvel cosmic, uh, ideas uh more than they are entities but look he's he's very powerful <laughs> he's our first like bigger than omega level character on this show like he's our he's our first like boss fight level character honestly like we've 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 done thanos but like this exceeds thanos this does exceed thanos it's crazy to say and atomic mass really really tried to make him feel like that Absolutely. when you play against them as well. Stay tuned for how they did. But Jesse, before we get into all this, we got to take care of a little business. Fury's Finest is supported by Discount Games Inc. Go to Discount Games Inc. for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoyed this show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution and joining our Discord community. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. This week, we want to send a special shout out to Will H. Why, hello there, Will. That's right. 
Thanks for joining the Fury's Finest crew, Will. We see you, Stabcast members, and let's just form an alliance here and get these podcasts together, you know, because we love Star Wars Legion here on the show. And apparently you guys like Marvel Crisis Protocol. Let's keep this going. But Chris, we cannot do this show without our Avenger producers, Rusty and Dylan, that's Dr. D, Nathan, Brian, and Rich. Thank you, Avengers. Thank you so much, Avengers. All right, Chris, let's get over to Dormammu's lore. Jesse, they did it to us again, man. They gave us another legacy 60s character. That's right. Part of him. This time he's he's a bad guy. So he, you know, comes in and out of existence <laughs> seemingly i guess what a theme of this series chris and this lore and everything is every character we've done in the convocation in our show keep in mind another reason we separated magic from this every character good guy bad guy in the series were all part of strange's ethos in the 60s and onward they were part of like building up his lore building up his character, being allies or enemies to his very character. And Strange Tales was kind of like a one-off series that would do like a comic a week for a month. And that those monthly stories were just kind of one-offs that didn't even necessarily connect. So like for one month, he'd be with Clea. For another month, he'd be with Ancient One. For another month, it'd be Dormammu. And they kind of all just jumped around, all based around Strange. So that's kind of a connective tissue of the convocation other than that cool thing we've already talked about several times, which I think it's always worth mentioning, everyone's been a lord or lady or sorcerer supreme of a realm at some point. And that's pretty cool. Well said, Jesse. Well done. But there is something that separates Dormammu a little bit from those ex-sorcerer supremes. Right. And that he's not human. And I know Clea isn't human, but Clea at least looks human. And yes, Dormammu is... At times, the ruler of the Dark Dimension, Dormammu is presented as one of the most powerful mystical entities within the known Marvel Universe. Dormammu is given credence by Doctor Strange as his most terrible foe and a threat to life in the universe itself. Uh, A character that at full power, no one could stand against our strangest words. And this is just how Dormammu is presented to us. And in the sixties, you know, his foible is kind of his hubris and his pride and his honor, a weird sense of honor. But Dormammu is genuinely one of the big bads that just never caught on, I guess in with comic readers at large maybe like Thanos did in another timeline. The MCU is being dominated by phase one Dormammu, not Thanos, you know, like absolutely. I'm very happy. We got Thanos in this timeline. Dormammu is maybe ageless. I mean, Mm -hmm. thousands or maybe even millions of years uh, ago in a, an alternate dimension Dormammu and his slightly younger twin sister, Umar, are, are born. Uh, they are beings known as Faltine. Now, most Faltine are kind of a clone of the progenitor uh, of the Faltine race. Dormammu and Umar are mutants. And Whoa. they break one of the taboos of the, of the Faltine. And that is, they start to amass, well, mass. I guess physical mass is a taboo 
that the Faltines just do not, they don't mess with that, man. Uh, they are just, they are energy beings. And to surround yourself with actual matter is just kind of gross. So they are banished. Now, when first banished to the Dark Dimension, the Dark Dimension is similar to like an Asgard. Uh, the Dark Dimension is not a full universe, uh, like say ours with multiple stars and galaxies and solar systems and all that. The dark dimension is, is a much, well, it is technically another dimension, another universe. It's just so much smaller. It's called a dimension. You know, think of, I mean, the mirror dimension, right? Some, Mm -hmm. sometimes very small. Think of Asgard. Asgard just kind of stops, you know, the dark dimension is a multi-species society at this point, and they are, enjoying a 28,000 year reign of peace before these two Faltine get banished into the realm. And shortly after arriving, the twins will take their time as is kind of a, a trend in these Dr. Strange comics. Uh, these, these kind of sorcerers are, are always portrayed as very patient. So instead of just overpowering everything and, and dominating the world, Dormammu and Umar will wait. And they notice that the ruler of this world, Olar the First, well, his desire is more power. So they manipulate Olnar the First into invading a, another dimension. And they led Olnar to the dimension of the mindless ones. Uh, we've talked about them before but they're indestructible absolutely rampaging dreadnoughts and just absolutely decimated olnar and the denizens of the dark dimension and during this chaos and this power vacuum dormammu will seize power and they will rule for quite a long time eventually dormammu is going to try to invade the marvel 6 one six universe he's gonna try to take it over his conduit for this is baron mordo well i think it's a good time chris to talk about dormammu's powers right because now he's become this entity with powers right he went from humanoid ish faltine right to ish well faltine i mean default are just energy they have no corporeal form and it was uh, he chose a form when banished to the dark dimension. And this is kind of the, the mix between humanoid and a faultine pure energy body, you know, with the way his head is kind of just this almost looks like it's on fire. Pure energy, right? But now he has lots of powers. <laughs> his powers are in flux quite a bit. But at this point, he's pretty powered up. Not as powered up as he will be eventually. But a lot of it is based off of the fact you already mentioned, which is the faulting being based of energy, right? So he has things. Being an interdimensional entity, he can do energy projection, matter manipulation, resizing, teleportation, possession, necromancy, bestowing of power, as in he can give power to others or give himself more power. Which is going to come in to play big time in our Hood episode. We're going to talk about that a lot more. Very good. And of course, one of his most innate basic powers is just his level of matter manipulation. And he just has beams of energy that can basically destroy anything. 
Like they're just the strongest beams of energy. It's we're getting this corporeal forms you talked about, Chris, where we're kind of this gray area of we're in another dimension. What does all this mean? Basically, an easy way to think of it too is he has energy bolts that are more powerful than any any other energy bolts in the Marvel universe, and um, that's something too. On top of all this other matter transmutation stuff, you've already kind of alluded to a lot. Sure. Well, unfortunately for Dumamu, all this power does come at a little bit of a price. He was holding the dark dimension kind of together and kind of keeping the mindless ones at bay, you know, while he's invading the Marvel 616 and trying to take over the Earth. Yep. And as the as the Ancient One and Doctor Strange present more of a problem than Dormammu expect. Dormammu has to use more of his power than he planned on. The barriers holding the mindless ones from the denizens of the Dark Dimension began to collapse because of the power drain happening from the amount of energy Dormammu was having to expend, you know, on Earth fighting Strange and the Ancient One. And because of this, Dormammu had to retreat to save his own dimension and being the 1960s stand-up guy that Doctor Strange was, you know, he went and he helped. So, what do we say? The the pride and that honor is kind of a downfall. Dormammu would make an agreement with Doctor Strange after being in Strange's debt that he would no longer try to take over Doctor Strange's, you know, dimension. And of course, this would not sit well with Dormammu in the time to follow. He would let that stew and fester. The fact that some, you know, he's he's now limited in some capacity. Just it's not really sitting well. So Dormammu will now spend the rest of the 60s trying to find loopholes in this agreement he has made with Doctor Strange. One of these uh loopholes will be uh kind of Actually, I say it's for a loophole, and we're not really sure. It's There's really not an, an excellent reason for this, but okay. Dormammu will fight the universal embodiment of eternity in combat. This is after he's he's been defeated a couple of times by Strange now, and uh, he is then banished. <laughs> By eternity. Now, in the 70s, we're going to start to see Dormammu open up to more of the Marvel Universe. He's going to forge an alliance with Loki. He's going to forge this alliance with Loki, and they're going to try to trick the Avengers and the Defenders into fighting each other for components of this very powerful artifact, the Evil Eye. And of course... Loki tries to tries to trick Dormammu as he is wont to do, but Dormammu is far too powerful for this. Dormammu imprisons Loki, effortlessly overwhelms the now united Avengers and Defenders, leaving only the Scarlet Witch to cast a hex on the evil eye as Dormammu is distracted by an escaping Loki. With this hex, the evil eye will absorb Dormammu, he will revert back to energy here. And as Loki kind of has the evil eye, it will drive him insane for a period of time, such as the power of Dormammu. The 80s will see Dormammu again interacting with the Asgardians. He will now, now, as I've said, Dormammu is 
almost cosmic level power entity. Almost. He's right there. And and at a time in in a bit, he will actually be that powerful. But at this moment, he is actually the envoy of a Lord Chaos, who is a big, you know, Galactus level, you know, God level, big time, big time cosmic entity. Uh, Dormammu will play a game of cosmic chess against Odin. The outcome will decide the balance in the universe between chaos and order. Umar, who has teamed up with her brother at this time, tries to rig the game. But of course, Thor, Thor is going to in- intervene and the game will end in a draw. But this just kind of goes to show how, in in a way that, you know, characters like Clea never broke through into the greater Marvel universe. By the 80s, Dormammu already has. He's he's interacting now with Asgardians. He's interacting with Thor's canon and mythos, major plot points in in Loki's canon with him as well. So I, I guess Dormammu is that big thing that almost broke through, but just never quite will. Again, the 80s will see him back battling Doctor Strange, but I, I think the coolest thing here is that uh, in this universe, Jack the Ripper was actually Dormammu. It's a pretty interesting thing, and this is going to kind of you know go... His, his kind of next gimmick here is trying to take over bodies. That is a way he can get over and around this agreement he has with Dr. Strange. And it's a binding agreement. You know, at one point he loses power as he tries to step into, you know, our dimension. So he's trying to take over bodies to kind of get around this physically invading thing and take over that way. And that will lead to him becoming Jack the Ripper. That will also lead to him in his next kind of story taking over the body of Doctor Strange, following Doctor Strange, uh, defeating Shumagorath, a particularly trying battle against Shumagorath. Strange is forced to use a spell to heal himself that will take him through various mystical realms. And as Dormammu has been kind of decorporealized by Strange after his Jack the Ripper shenanigans through time, Strange will pass through this dimension and, and parts of Dormammu will take a hold of Strange and follow him back to our universe and eventually kind of take over Strange's body. This would lead to Strange and his consciousness having to occupy a rat. Uh, it would take Clea and Doctor Strange and their ally, who is yet to to be in MCP, we'll see if she ever makes it, Topaz, to defeat Dormammu at this point. The 90s are going to see a lot more of this. You know, he's... He's bound by this this one major limitation, and it just eats him up. He cannot quit trying to take over this universe. He can't quit trying to defeat Doctor Strange. Uh, at, at one point, he will follow the original Guardians of the Galaxy into the 31st century of Earth 619, where he will fight and defeat that Doctor Strange, and eventually our Doctor Strange at the same time, 
But every time he gets ahead, he's always going to be betrayed by Umar or betrayed by his own hubris or pride. Or he just, that, that fatal flaw always comes through. In the late 90s and the 2000s, he's going to start being worshipped as a god a little bit more. And that apparently will uh, power him up more. And eventually he will team up with low-level criminal Hood and bestow powers upon Hood, giving us the character we have here in MCP. And he will continue to have interactions with the the mystical kind of characters, including, as we've touched on, uh, Dr. Voodoo, uh, as he is Sorcerer Supreme. The juxtaposition of Dormammu between kind of Donnie Marie figure with his sister and just kind of almost multidimensional threat is kind of an interesting one. In the newer comics, we have Dormammu's son, part of the Strange Academy series. I have yet to get to read that. It is on my list. I might even do it after we record here tonight. But the bottom line is Dormammu, though, not completely 100% really go-to, unmistakable, gotta talk about in Marvel character, has been involved in a lot of big things with a lot of characters in the Marvel universe. And he's not quite the, the, the go-to villain, you know, the ultimate big bad, but he is a really great doorkeeper, so to speak for, for big, powerful characters. He's, he's interesting. I think he's kind of funny. Um, So Jesse, I think now is when we really need to kind of dive into the MCU and Dormammu. Yeah, that's, that's very right. And I'm very excited to talk about him in the MCU. He's only in one movie. It's in Doctor Strange number one. That's just Doctor Strange playing the movie. Man, uh, spoilers here for Doctor Strange one. <laughs> but Dormammu is the ultimate big bad. The whole movie, his followers are trying to channel and summon him to bring his dimension to Earth. And they ended up doing that. You know, that's one of his go-to moves is to invade close dimensions and and kind of absorb a lot of its power and, and, and power up. And that's, I think they did a really awesome job with Dormammu in this movie on a couple of fronts, like not just like in general, Oh, he looked cool or, or they wrote it right. Like they got it all right. They summarized this character, this character that's had 50, 60 years of uh-huh. kind of being in and out of stories and existing in different times during comic storytelling in the hands of completely different writers all the time they really got so many aspects of the character folded into that portrayal in that one movie where he got to take center stage and it was honestly very impressive yeah absolutely and i love that he didn't make his face known or the very end the climax and I'll say while we're here, Chris, because this is the end of our Convocation series and kind of like the start of our Dark Dimension and the end of our Dark Dimension series all in one episode. This is one of my favorite MCU climaxes. It's not a bombastic fight. It is a battle of the minds. Strange just goes into the Dark Dimension, which, first of all, no one was expecting. They just expected right. Strange not to do that's that. What makes, that's what makes him him. I mean, we, that is another through thread of all these episodes is Doctor Strange just being a complete wild card when it, it comes to... Yeah. When it comes to, you know, um, unfavorable situations. When lives are on the line, and I'm sorry, we've said this every episode. When lives are on the line, he lives in the gray, especially when it comes to magic. He will do what needs to be done to save everyone and be heroic. 
And that's what he does in this film. He meets Dormammu in the Dark Dimension, and he sets the Eye of Agamotto, the Time Stone, or the Time Gem, depending on if you're going comic or MCU universe, on a loop, permanent loop. And he is killed by Dormammu almost immediately. And then yeah. the second time, Dormammu's like, what is this? Are you back? I'll kill you all the same. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the third time, and Dormammu kind of picks up on, wait a second, what is this? Is this an illusion? And Strange says, there's no illusion. I control time. And while we're here, we'll be locked in this short, tiny minute loop forever. This, you know, this was a... Uh, a high point of strange for me, but also like a, a solidifying of why I love strange, Chris. It's sort of that thing where he, strange is willing to be in this loop for eternity. I was not even years, just eternity yeah. with Dormammu in order that the earth lives and that no one on earth is killed by the dark dimension. He's willing to keep Dormammu in this loop because you can't beat Dormammu if you're mortal no. or even just, even if you're superpowered, you just can't beat him because he is, as Chris said, ethereal, corporeal of some form. He is made out of energy. He is not part of our dimension. He is untouchable from our dimension, dimensional means. So strange essentially puts him in a loop with the eye of Agamotto and Dormammu keeps killing strange over and over again. It's so cool in the MC. We see all the different ways Dormammu does it with his energy blast, with his controlling matter in the dark dimension to skewer yes. strange uh, he throws projectiles like asteroids at Strange. The list goes on, right? Well, and it's it's so evocative of of the comics. His hubris, his pride. He underestimates Strange. That's right. He completely relies on his own power. You know, just mm-hmm. overwhelming power. Which who could really blame him? But yeah, you know, it just goes to show how how clever Strange is. Uh, but also how powerful Dormammu is. This is the only way to stop him. Right. And Strange isn't even thinking this way he'll stop. It's just that he has Dormammu imprisoned. And, and Strange says, no matter what, you're my prisoner now. You know? And it's that sort of thing that's just solid. Just solid Strange mentality. I'll bet Doctor Strange plays the Web Warriors in MCP. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's what right. it seems like. And then Dormammu says, well, then you will die over and over again and you will suffer. Strange says, well, pain's an old friend. That's the line. Pain's an old friend. And the delivery from Cumberbatch there is just, you know what, man? I've lived through pain and I will live through this suffering and pain for all the people of Earth because this is my calling now and I'm I'm committed to it. Eventually, Dormammu relents and says, you know, how do we end this? And he says, I've come here to bargain. I've been saying it the whole time. Take your dark dimension away from our Earth. Never return. What do you know? I'll end the spell loop and you can go conquer other worlds. And that's what's crazy, Chris, is we have this big bad in, in the MCU who is not defeated. He's just thwarted for the time being. Bingo. I strange genius. Excellent use of thwarted there. Well done. Thank you, Chris. And I will close out this MCU section with the coolest feature of all. Dormammu in the MCU, his face through mocap and his dialogue, as in his, his voiceover, was all performed by Benedict Cumberbatch. Incredible. There you go. He's having a fight with himself. He's he's a boss fight version of himself. You got to love it. Like where Dominic is like, what is this? You know, <laughs> like what's happening here? And it's just cool. It adds to the layers of that sort of lore of these two characters going back to the early 60s to now locked in conflict. And they just kind of took that over the top as saying, hey, Benedict, you've got some experience. You, you kind of did a knockout performance of uh, Smog. And the Hobbit films, probably the best part of those films. He did. Is, uh, as there's some rough films as a tough. Lord of the Rings fan here, they're tough. But I'll tell you some things that are true. Some of the performance in those films, out of the park. And Benedict's one of those performances alongside his co-star, Martin Freeman. The connective tissue is there. You've got 
Sherlock and Watson. Checks so out. now you've got Bilbo and Smog. And yeah, Benedict was very experienced with that sort of mocap, getting into his deeper register, crawling on all fours. You know, he was doing all this stuff for Smog. So I'm sure Dormammu was a was an easy transition for him. He's very talented. So yeah, it's just a cool fun fact that uh it's kind of mind-blowing honestly it's just cool that he was dormammu as well and it means that if dormammu returns dr strange Three, which i think he will because him and clee are going into the dark dimension oh yeah for sure for one sure one can surmise that benedict will return and play dormammu again You'd as he think. plays strange again you would think but time will tell we'll see but yeah very very good representation in the mcu and last bit we're over here on this mcu chris you already touched on it but the art direction unbelievable <sighs> Dude, it's sort so of cool. like multi-dimensional colors constantly moving matter and light and energy of the dark dimension and Dormammu himself very cool way to represent that in a live action setting couldn't have said it better myself jesse there's only one thing left to do and that's to give my comic reading recommendation for Dormammu we're gonna kick it old school today folks we're going strange Tales, Volume 1, Numbers 110 through 125. This is uh, the reason I'm choosing this is because this is an early example of, of long form storytelling in comic books in the strange, in the Doctor Strange uh, kind of mythos. You know, this is, he was such a, a one off monster of the month type publication till this point and in this little run of 15 issues it's it tells kind of a larger story and then off to the races we go so jesse it's time to get to strategy so this is really fun today chris we are talking about a leader character these are always fun to do in the game and also the sole member of the dark dimension what we'll get to that later but very unusual for us in this game to cover a leader and then to be the only character on said list of the affiliation list his name is dormammu his alter ego is dormammu so he doesn't have one he's an eight threat character pretty unbelievable our only eight threat character in the game outside of thanos with two gems which is the correct way to take thanos and he's a big boss character on his healthy side he has a stamina of 10 he's a large base with a medium move so he's as fast as you get, just straight up, a size of five. Wow. And his defenses are four physical, four energy, and five mystic. On his injured side, his stamina goes up from 10 to 12, giving him a total of 22, Chris. That's pretty quite good. a bit. That's two more than Hulk, but he is two more threat than Hulk and She-Hulk, so yeah. warranted. What are your thoughts about Dormammu so far? Eight threat. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, that's going to be a theme. Yeah, that's going to be hard to balance. And, you know, I I think Dormammu was their first big swing at uh, one of these big, big characters like this. And I think they chose the right one to do it with. That's true. You know, I, the, the stats look interesting. I don't have much to compare him to. So I think we just got to get into his attacks. I agree, Chris. So his first attack is a energy attack called Shadow Bolt. It's a range four. Strength of six, zero power cost attack. So this is his sort of basic attack, his strike. But it's not a strike for Dormammu. He has a wild trigger of hex. After the sacks resolve, the target character gains hex. And he also has a wild trigger of sap power before damage is dealt. 
The target character loses one power for each wild in the attack roll. And then Dormammu gains that amount of power. So if you've got three wilds in your pool, you're gaining three powers. So Dormammu doesn't have a strike. So he doesn't have a builder. He doesn't have a gain one power. So he doesn't have a gainer. He has his own version, which is harder to pull off, which is a six dice energy attack at range four, which is awesome. Good range. Good, good attack. But he only gains power off of the sap powers, essentially. So that's tough. A weakness out the gate, but intentional in his design. Well, Jesse, his next attack is kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. It is a mystic attack. It is the incantation of obliteration. Love the name. It is a range three, strength eight, power cost of five attack. Now, upon a Yahtzee, now this trigger is crazy. It's the ultimate Yahtzee, right? It is the ultimate Yahtzee, and I love Yahtzee. To trigger Dark Miasma, you must roll a critical, a hit, a defense shield, and a skull. Upon rolling these four results, after the attack is resolved, Dormammu may make an additional incantation of obliteration attack without paying the power cost. The additional attack must target a character within two of the original target character that has not been targeted by incantation of obliteration this round. Wow. Yeah, it's really good. It's really hard to pull this off, but if you pull it off, you get free attacks that are big attacks. Very cool. You're kind of seeing a theme here, Chris. Dormammu has trouble building power, so you're not going to do this very often. And Shadow Bolt's really good, too. So there's a lot of things going on. And, you know, I just think we need to talk about Master of the Realm of Darkness while we're here. Okay. Because we're seeing a lot of skulls and stuff pop up, and Dormammu breaks the skull rule in a different way. So Master of the Realm of Darkness is an innate superpower for Dormammu. When this character suffers damage from an enemy effect, it gains one power instead of the power equal to the damage it suffered per normal rules. Okay. When another allied character on Dormammu's team is damaged by an enemy effect or by Flames of the Fall Teen, Dormammu gains one power. Once again, we're getting into this sort of power is weird for him, Chris. It's very weird for him. So he doesn't gain power when you deal a bunch of damage to him. He only gains one power. So that's kind of a bummer. So big attacks are really effective against him because he doesn't gain much power from them. Little attacks are not that effective against him because first of all, little attacks don't do much to him and little attacks power him up because he's still getting the one power basically. But also the second part of this master of the realm of darkness is additionally, when calculating both successes or failures of this character's attacks, so not defense, just attacks, Dormammu, as the number of skulls in both his attack pool and the defense pool of his enemy to his total successes. Ugh. That six strength shadow bolt get a little higher than six strength, Chris, inadvertently. And same with that incantation of obliteration. Now you're pulling your skull from your enemy, potentially. Don't have to worry about that. Pull off the more dark miasma. Maybe you did get crit, hit, block, right? Now you're pulling off this dark miasma to get another free incantation of obliteration against someone else. Don't clump against our mama is what we're saying because absolutely incantations not happening that much, but you really don't want to clump anyways, because shadow bolt is so intense, takes your power. He hexes you and he hits you with like a sort of like an eight dice attack on his strike. You know, it's not a true strike. That's the weakness, but you see what I mean? And, and we've talked about this show a lot, Chris, how, Energy is still one of the weakest represented defenses in the game. 
just straight up. Like energy is one of those ones they just really haven't got a lot of characters for or higher energy. It's just not a thing. So Dormammu can wreck a lot of teams. You know, like they've got average energy defense or lower. You're gonna struggle against Dormammu. It's it's cool. And he only has two attacks, but I think we got to get into his superpowers because there's a lot of nuance going on with this character. Oh, he hurts my head. Well, let's start with the affiliation here, Jesse. Flames of the Faultine affiliation, Dark Dimension. If Dormammu is included in a squad, that squad is affiliated with Dark Dimension and must use this leadership ability. Dormammu and each other character you control gains one additional power during the power phase. During the power phase, if another allied character has six or more power, it suffers one damage. There's a lot of interplay with the Master of the Realm of Darkness there. Right. So he can gain power off of his allies taking damage from this leadership. But also, like... This is one of the toughest leaderships in the game, Chris, if not the toughest leadership in the game to play, because it has drawback, a big one. Like other leaderships don't have this drawback, mm. and your opponent can abuse this drawback. They can intentionally attack you and give you more power before the end of the round to guarantee the top of the next round you're in the power phase and you have that six power or more, and then you just suffer damage, right? Sure. But in the hands of a good player under Mama's team, they're gaining two power every power phase on top of their innate stuff too, right? Right. So your Asgardians and Danny Rands of the world, they're actually getting three power at power phase. And if you're spending that correctly, you're doing more damage than your opponent and you're doing that damage to your opponent before they can put damage on you to put you up to that dangerous level of six power. So it's kind of like a very tight, intense gamble razor's edge with this leadership because you're kind of like saying i have a leadership that is bad if i play bad and you can abuse it as a good player against me but i also have a leadership that lets me cheat the game a little bit get more power and if i know how to use it i can beat you quicker than you can beat me it's a very intense leadership and it's it's very stressful honestly every time i was gonna say it's it's kind of giving me some anxiety just kind of talking about it here it's it's kind of it's kind of scary, yeah. But that kind of frames our discussion going forward because we're going to talk everything Dark Dimension from this point on. And just think about that. Think about your opponents teeing you up and getting free damage on you. Mm-hmm. That's really scary. But Chris, moving on with his superpowers, he has an active superpower called Not of This Dimension. Place Dormammu within two of his current position. Cost three power. The superpower can only be used once per turn. So very pricey, but guess what? Just like Gamma Leap. You're going to try to do it every turn if you can. Absolutely. Large base. Forget about it. Yeah. You can't move with Dormammu. You just can't. You have to be attacking twice every round. And this is a theme, Chris, going forward with us doing these six, seven, eight threat models. Like their biggest weakness is things that remove their actions. And in this game, there are things that basically remove your actions, which are like big pushes, you know, sword base comes to mind, right? The sword base pushes mm-hmm. you back short. These are the type of things that really hurt these big characters like the Dormammu's, Hulks, She-Hulks, Thanos, and now Malekith in the game. Yep. Where it's like, you can either stagger them or you can push them away and make them, enforce them to move back to where they want to be. And that's essentially a quasi stagger, right? I mean, it is. Right. That is detrimental for them. Every time we talk about these affiliations that are kind of 
little more little more big brain a little more movement uh a mm-hmm. little more movement oriented we always touch on this action economy and it's such an important thing to remember and think about even if you're a an attrition player i'm usually an attrition player yeah but like this action economy in that this tax that affiliations and characters like this try to put on you with these these types of powers and abilities you have to be aware of them and you have to start kind of planning ahead planning for them and and know how to get around them and kind of how to place it gets really really heady one as an attrition player chris you know very well that like if you have to move multiple times in a game with big characters like you are losing a lot of your economy right because absolutely what's the point of playing high threat character if you're always having to move them right you'd rather just play a lower threat character and move and then do that attack right if you have to move and do that attack with a higher threat character you are in a detrimental position so dormammu's goal is to be on that central primary objective playing king of the hill and saying you come to me because i'm winning the game on points and i also i'm going to kill you from range with double attacks right or more than double attacks if my incantation obliteration gets off right and get more than two attacks a turn and kind of sneak or cheat some extra actions right inadvertently which is very cool but he's got a couple more superpowers right chris oh he does and let's talk about this reactive power here called feel the power of darkness it is going to be a two cost power After an attack targeting Dormammu is resolved, Dormammu may use this superpower. The attacking character is pushed away from Dormammu short and gains the Hex special condition. If the attacking character already has the Hex special condition, it gains the Incinerate special condition. I sure love that. And just to refresh quickly... Hex is the condition that that does not allow the hexed model to roll additional dice in its critical results, defense, or dodge rolls. So no blowing up crits when you're hexed. That can be huge. Yeah, like no blown up attacks, defense, or dodge. Yeah, it's a big deal. But then Incinerate Chris reduces all your defenses by one against enemy attacks, right? So very strong for Dormammu. It's his dream, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, incinerate i think is probably the most powerful condition after stagger of course we've talked about well stagger but stagger's not widely available yeah stagger's in a class of its own but it's also very limited and very hard (laughs) usually you have to jump (laughs) through some hoops to achieve it so uh, incinerates the the one that's you know a little more achievable a little easier to find that's also very powerful and you know i just love it uh hex pretty good yeah yeah but that incinerate man that's the stuff well yeah and of course the best part of this is oh someone attacked you pay two to move them short oh yeah like just ruin their plans at playing the game in a normal way right because you're like do you want to ignore me and i blow you up with Dormammu, or do you want to attack me and i feel the power of darkness you away right so there's a lot of things here that there's a reason why Dormammu's power is reined in and the way it should be i find it very cool but use this all the time with him just use it yeah use it liberally now closing out his card he has a lot of immunities which i find super cool chris and super thematic 100 percent. when you're paying this much threat for a character getting some immunities on there to help 
keep, yes. you know, little little jerks like me that love throwing status conditions on you big do. models keeps us at bay. And his immunities are some pretty good ones. This man is immune to bleed, incinerate, and stagger, as well as possessing the flight power. I said he was the fastest model in the game. He really is. Malekith is now right with him because he's another large base with medium move with flight. But yeah, it's just super cool that we've got bleed, incinerate, and stagger, Chris. Stagger's the biggest, right? If Dormammu could be yeah, staggered, man. he would just probably be unplayable. So I, this is a good decision from AMG and also very thematic. Like I think stagger is one of those things like we've been kind of shown in the game. Stagger is like a huge hit that just knocks you out for a little bit, right? They, where you have to get back up. You can't iron fist or Luke Cage, sweet Christmas him right. in the face to knock right. him out for a second. He's never being knocked out for a second because he's kind of ethereal, right? We've talked about this. Though it, it has happened. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was different means him trying to skirt around the whole, in, you know, invading the universe thing. I don't know. He clearly hasn't shown up a ton in the meta like we all kind of thought he would upon announcement. Well, there's always someone playing him, though, at every tournament. I love that. I do love that you always see him. I mean, Jesse, what kind of list are you looking to build around this character? That's a great question, Chris. So first of all, we're going to play a list that likes to play Demons Downtown because he's immune to incinerate and he wants to light people up from range. And Demons Downtown, of course, accelerates that, right? Yeah, the biggest thing you want to do with Dormammu is, since we're kind of a unique cross point in our show, Chris, every time we do new episodes, we have something new and unique that comes up that we haven't encountered. You know, and we're we're a long way in now, and we got something cool right here with Dormammu. Yeah. You bring a model that cannot be splashed in other teams. It's the first time we've done this in MCP. The only model that exists in MCP like this, right? He is a leader and a leader only. So if you bring him, you're going Dark Dimension. And what that means is everyone's getting two power a turn in the power phase. So that means that you want to bring models that not only can spend their power all the way on their turn so they don't take this whole six power thing where they suffer damage, which is terrible as we talked about already. But you also want to cheat the game a little bit where you're like, okay, I want to bring characters with charges. I want to bring yes. characters with superpowers that I can always use, right? And spend power on them every turn. So you get an interesting stuff where it's like, we'll start with the super supports. We've talked about this throughout the series and we'll talk about it again now because we're with Dormammu. Dormammu loves these super supports. He loves the Clea's, the Lockjaw's, the Baron Mordos, the Heimdalls of the world, because they're going to have so much power every power phase, Chris. They can teleport him. On his turn, they can spend their superpowers for rerolls, right? Like they can assist him in doing what he wants to do, which is being as consistent as possible with his dice and deleting models. So let's start there. He loves a good super support with him. A Wong, mm. a Baron Mordo, you know, a Lockjaw. Love the idea of some heals. Yeah, some heals, some dice from Mordo. Yeah. Some teleports from Lockjaw or Clea, right? Very strong stuff and stuff we have already alluded to in our Clea and Mordo episodes. Also, Chris, with those super supports, like a Baron Mordo, he loves that power of Sidorak, right? Where it's like, oh, you're gonna make Dormammu hit for eight dice where he's counting skulls from his pool and your opponent's pool, and he's gonna take a damage off this. Not a big deal for him. Not a big deal. When you get these higher threat models, models that buff up their dice or give them rerolls like Heimdall or give them teleports, as Chris said, with a large base with the high threat model, the higher threat they are, the higher value these supports supply straight up, 
right? Because if these high threat models don't maximize their actions and don't maximize their attacks, you frankly might just lose the game or you might just struggle in the game and have to swing back later with some big dice swings. And you don't want that. You want to be kind of in control the whole time. So doing a round one teleport with someone like Lockjaw or Cleo with Dormammu is very strong because he's already in the middle of the board, right? Like that's that's a cool way to start because he gave them a bunch of power. I guess what also, Chris, they spent that power immediately. They used it. Like they're keeping this sort of dark dimension downside at bay. I love it. But let's move on to these characters I alluded to, which are obviously the okay. bread and butter of okay. Dormammu's team. The charge characters, the characters that have superpowers that you want to do every turn, right? So. We've got Baron Zemo, right? If Baron Zemo had two power every turn, Chris, he could charge every turn. He can do that in Dormammu's team, right? He can charge That's disgusting. Every t- long move charge, and he gives himself and Dormammu rerolls. Hood is the same way when he's in his demon form, so the theme is right. But also, Chris, Hood can more readily access his heal. Oh, Think about it, right? You love, you love that. So his heal costs three. So he's only going to have two at the start of every round, but he could easily rapid fire and get that one power, right? And then immediately heal, right? So you've got a lot of options going on. But more importantly, Hood transforms into his demon form. We, we know this, right? The demon form is crucial to his kit. And Chris already talked about the lore synergies. The demon form has a two cost charge, right? So we're seeing these synergies where it's like the demon form's charge costs two and the demon form spender costs four right these things are much more attainable with the dormammu leadership but also dormammu being a tall model you can get around like charges and stuff are great rogue's another great example rogue can just charge around one kind of insane she can also do her mutant absorption more readily but like also this sort of tall i always have priority i do damage i delete your models before they go i remove activations from you before you go that's just accentuated by other tall models right like you could bring a she hulk or hulk with dormammu right they're getting a ton of power in the power phase right because they're getting their game it's just transmutation and then like let's let's look at hulk right so oh no hulk gains one power from the power phase and he gains two power from his innate inner rage so in dormammu he gains four power every power phase what can hulk do every power phase with four power i mean he can gamma leap have an extra power, strike someone, throw someone, spender someone, depending on how that strike went, right? Like there's a lot he can do. Very expensive. But we've talked about this already, Chris. If you have a plan, really good. Really good. But Dormammu costs eight. That's a scary thing. That's very, very scary. And I'm glad you said it right there because I was starting to just (laughs) kind of melt at all the possibilities surrounding Dormammu with that Mm -hmm. with that insane kind of everyone's affiliated all the time kind of shenanigans there it just opens up every model in the game which is you know at this point pretty extensive as i've talked on many many episodes but oh yeah you know that eight threat cost is (laughs) pretty pretty hard to get out of a model and uh it's also limits who you can take i mean hulk Hulk and Dormammu's 14 threat. That's pretty tough, right? That's tough, man. Uh, Dormammu's forte, Chris, is three threats. And this is something we're going to do with his tax card later, but also like just in general, just three threats. The math works. You can kind of build lists around this. But yeah, three threats that want to spend power, that's Dormammu's team. You'll never bring War Machine Dormammu, right? Because War Machine has no superpowers. You know, he's got some builders and a spender. That's it. The dream is always to play characters with charge, 
characters with powerful superpowers. We've already talked about Baron Zemo. We've talked about Baron Mordo. Arnim Zola is about to come out soon. He's another strong support piece. Yes. Black Cat being online earlier. Very scary. Oh, no, that's disgusting. Sam Wilson having his charge on round, online round one just to get more places, but also throw a shield on the way. Very good. Not bad. Like Gambit is immediately better in Dormammu because he can do his spenders quicker. I'm speaking Chris's language oh, here. We love that. One of my favorite three characters in the game, her only weakness is she needs a lot of power and she lights the world on fire. Her name is Gwen Stacy. Ghost Spider. Ghost Spider and Dormammu's team is unbelievable because she's got a, a web line online round one, which is very rare for her because she's bad at building power, right? She's got Lifesaver online round one where she can pull her allies to safety. Iron Fist starts building power quicker. Heimdall starts building power quicker. Also, Chris, I'll touch on the Asgardians while I'm here. Valkyrie is a great piece and Dormammu's team. I had a feeling. Because she has a charge, she has a throw, they're all very expensive, especially after the rework. But she also gains one more power than power phase, right? So it's like, as Guardians and his team, they follow that razor's edge even more. Like I talked about already, I alluded to earlier, they ride that razor's edge of like, I gotta spend all their power, but also as Guardians can spend all their power if you know what you're doing in the game, right? Like Valkyrie can charge, yes. strike, strike again, throw someone right spend all her power in a turn and have a great turn or she can like charge warrior of legend buff up her dice you know like her attack there's a lot she can do heimdall chris having so his re-roll on line round one options galore with heimdall oh heimdall has the bifrost online round one it costs three yes, power. he does he gains three power every turn because he's asgardian and dormammu's dark dimension right so he no matter what's happening heimdall is teleporting dormammu up the table and he's getting exactly where you want him every turn, no matter what, right? You love that. You love that. It's essential to Dormammu, and it's essential to this team. It's weird, but like your star piece is your leader in this team, right? Like You've got to do the most damage with your leader, and you've got to maximize your leadership all game and get as much power out of it. Magic, awesome in Dormammu. She can limbo step oh, every turn, that. right? She can get where she needs to be. The theme is right, right? So... Three threats are your, are your game plan. Maybe add in some four threats, some twos to give yourself viability and like a five or so, but like, or six or so just to go really tall when you want to. But really it's these charging three threats is what you want as the basis of your team. And we're going to get into why more now we're going to read Dormammu's tactics card. So his first tactics card is a dex card called Dark Empowerment. It's a dark dimension active. So it has to be played on one of your character's turn. During character's activation, it may suffer one damage to play this card. Choose another allied character within three of the active character that played this card so you're choosing an ally of the person that just played this card effects of the next attack made this turn by the active character cannot cause it to gain power instead the chosen ally character gains power equal to the damage dealt by the attack this is hard to play at the right time but it gets around Dormammu's big, biggest weakness, which is he doesn't have true power generation. So you could go with a Valkyrie, right, Chris? And you could just say, I'm playing this card. All my attacks I deal this turn are giving Dormammu power. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting because you're going to do it on a character like a Valkyrie, like a Zima, like a Hood, a character you can rely on their damage, right? And they're powering up Dormammu. So on his turn, he can do some dark miasmas or he can do some places. He can do a place from his, you know, not of this dimension, things like that. So very, very cool. I mean, it's not game breaking. It's not out of control, but it's um, a really cool part of Dark Dimension. But this next card, Chris, is really what Dark Dimension sings because we talked about the power of three threats in Dark Dimension. This kind of brings it home. Dark Restoration. It's Dark Dimension and reactive. During the cleanup phase, Dormammu 
may spend six power to play this card. So it has to be during cleanup. That's restriction number one. Dormammu has to pay for it. Restriction number two and restriction number three is six power, which is a lot. But if you do all this during that phase with Dormammu, place an allied character of threat value three or less that has been KO'd this game within two of Dormammu. The character is now healthy, has no damage, special conditions, or effects. Dormammu does his necromancy we talked about in lore and brings him right back. That just reinforces you want those, you want to charge in and just go ham. Yeah. Or even like a control three threat that just died earlier. Sure. Right? Sure. Yeah. Like bring Gwen or Miles back, right? You just don't care because you're bringing them back. At bringing somebody back that uh, maybe died to a, or maybe got tabled due to you know an unlucky for you spike of uh, offensive dice. Bringing them back round three, round four could just be back breaking. It really could because I mean you're essentially bringing in three more threat into the game that didn't exist, right? So you thought we were playing a 17 threat game, no, nope, we're, we're playing 20. a 20 threat game. Yeah, and you're still 17. It's the it's the sinister thing all over again. Not to mention a late round, late game, healthy model. To go sit on some secures. Yeah, just play safe with them. Just so helpful. It's very helpful, especially when you have a list built around a very expensive high threat model. This is a way to kind of balance that out because let's be frank, Chris, you're just going to have less models. He's eight threat. You're just going to have less than your opponent most of the time. Correct. So a weakness of Dormammu, of course, is that he's going to be less wide. He's going to be less models on his team, but that's okay if you're maximizing his actions and your leadership and then you bring this card with you to bring them back. I mean, Valkyrie coming back, that's like having two Valkyries on your team, Chris. It's pretty terrifying. I know they're not in the game at the start of the game, but it's still right. like, oh, I have a second Valkyrie, you know? Mm-hmm. Very scary, powerful. You're going to bring this card if you play Dormammu, and it's it's a big deal. And that's all we have with Dormammu's leadership tactics cards so far, and I find it very cool. We're not going to talk about Splash Flations today, Chris, because we've already talked about that. We've talked about some of my recommendations. The list goes on. I mentioned four threats. Someone like Enchantress comes to mind, right? Where it's like a four threat model that can do everything if she has power, right? These type of models you want to think about. You don't want to think about characters that don't do much with power that are maybe good characters, but they're, they might not be good for Dormammu. You want to think about characters that can always spend all their power, you know? So I think of characters like Valkyrie, like Black Panther, where it's like, oh, I can pounce. I can mantle the Black Panther. I can attack again. I can characters where you can spend all your power effectively and be happy with it. You know, I mean, every character in this game spends power. Well, every character has ways to spend power. It's a core mechanic of the game, but it's like, there's clearly characters that we know if they get a lot of power, they can just go off. And that's kind of part of their design, right? Like miles Morales comes to mind where it's like miles doesn't do much early game. He just does not Cause he can't really do anything because he has no power, but mid game, late game, he can start doing a lot because he can web swing, he can venom blast, he can throw people with his strike, right? Like, so you've got to put yourself in this weird headspace of like what characters would play completely different with two power a turn, right? And that's what's crazy, Chris, is this leadership breaks the game in a unique way where it's not just a Steve discount. It's not just a cabal. You gain more power when you do attacks. It's in the power phase of the game. You get two power, everybody else gets one power. How can you use that with your tactics cards and with your superpowers and with your attacks? Tactics cards, keep that in mind too. You want to spend all your tactics cards? Great team for patch up. Great team for cards like follow me, right? Where it's like, you're just going to have more power in general, right? So try to bring the tax cards that might cost a little more. 
because you're feeling confident, right? You're feeling you have more power of return. So possibilities are endless. Uh, Dormammu's, he's never been fully cracked for this reason. And he's an A-threat character that's really hard to play. I mean, the list goes on, right, Chris? Look, there's just so much that can go wrong on any given turn or (laughs) dice that can that cannot cooperate or a trigger that you forgot about. I think this game is so complicated in the best possible way. That's why we like it. Yeah. Yeah. Everything plays with everything else so well in this game that Dormammu is super hard. I I have been talking a little less during the strategy session because of that. I'm trying to wrap my hat head around it. It's just, yeah, he's tough, man. He is tough because he turns the game to a different version of the game to power return. He also turns the affiliation building of the game on its head too, because you're no longer building like, oh, I'm going to bring six of my 10 models affiliated and yeah. I'm going to bring splashes if it rolls I want to, or five out of 10. You're not even thinking like that. You're just thinking, right. who are my role players for what objectives and what versions of lists I want to run? Can I play 14 threat all the way to 20 threat? Yes. What are my teams? He just reframes your thinking in all the ways. And I find that very cool. And he turns on characters in different ways where you're not really ready for it. So like he makes essentially every character in your team like a 0.25 or 0.5 better than their threat, right? If you know exactly what you're doing and you're going with them exactly at the right time. Like he very clearly makes Gwen a 3.5 threat. Absolutely. He just Just does. Absolutely. Because now she's Asgardian Gwen, right? And Asgardian Gwen can do all of her awesome stuff every turn if you know exactly how to play Gwen, right? But now you're saying the issue we're talking about, Chris, where we're getting into into, you've almost got to know how to play Dormammu perfectly, and you've got to know how to play every character on your team that is now affiliated when breaks rule the game perfectly, and you've got to bring the right characters that fit what you know, right? And that's hard. That's really hard because this leadership can turn on you quick. It's extremely tough, and, and like you alluded to earlier, It's one of the reasons we haven't seen Dormammu cracked in the meta. He's been brought a lot as that last model splash for that really unfavorable matchup that you hopefully Mm -hmm. won't even see that day at, you know, at the tournament or local game day or whatever. Sure. So I, I feel like there hasn't been too many people just really focused on I'm playing the dark dimension no matter what, or maybe it's my main play. And and I need to crack it, and then I'll figure out my my back, you know, the splash affiliation. Oh, absolutely! And just like Steve, Chris, like we mentioned in our last episode, like as every character comes out in the game, Steve actually gets better, and potentially Dormammu gets better, right? Like because we can examine every character through the lens of the Steve discount, and like the Dormammu make everyone as guardian, right? So interesting, right? So interesting why he's framed in the way he is. And yeah, unfortunately, he is a little bit dependent. His leadership is so good, but he is a little bit dependent on his dice hitting normal. And sometimes your dice don't hit normal in MCP. His hit normal more often because he counts skulls in his pool and his opponent's pool. So that helps a lot. But what is normal, right? Sometimes your opponent's going to roll all blocks and you're going to roll all blocks and you're just going to feel like you should have played two, three threats and a two... a two threat, you know, it's just going to happen. Like you're just going to think, Oh, this could be three models. Right. And that's part of the fun of the game is you've got to put yourself in a spot where you're willing to play Dormammu and kind of try this because he is a little bit higher risk in the sense of get to maximize every single action you have. And you've got to play all your characters perfectly. But when you do, 
you're going to feel like everyone is actually under the control of Dormammu, possessed by him and using his energy to be better. Chris, like, like Mordo did in our lore episode today, right? Mordo, in fact, did. He will be an honest to goodness boss character. That's what it is. That's straight what it is because he's not, he's not only just a, a blaster character, Chris, he's not just a turret that just destroys everything, but he's a super sport. He is because he gives everyone as a guardian. He has to live the whole game too, because that's mm, paramount to your, your play. So it's, it's just hard to always play him, right? He's one of my favorite characters in this very game. Cause I, I mean, how could you not love him? He's an eight threat. He's, <laughs> he breaks so many rules. He does a lot of things differently. His biggest weakness is he has no charge. Absolutely. Your opponent can do bad things to you with this leadership. Like if your models get like dazed, Chris, and then they go into the next power phase, they come undazed and oh, they're at six power because they got dazed. They're taking damage at the top of a new phase. That's really scary. It's really rough. But what's cool about this is I think Dormammu is so healthy and he's so powerful and he's so not going to be burned down most of the time that you feel confident going with your other characters before him and letting them do their cool thing with their Asgardian power, you know, every turn. So he is rewarding in that way, but you know, he's not invincible either. Sometimes he can just go down. That's just what can happen. That's the game. That's dice, man. That's the game. That's dice. That's why we love the game so much because um, he can just go off too and he can just blow out games like turn two or three and just the game just be over, you know? And it's similar to what we're seeing with Malekith in the game right now. So it's just part of the game. You have to learn how to play against and how to play with if you're interested in it. And I find it kind of amazing. And Dark Dimension, we did one episode on Dark Dimension. This is it because it's one character. It's crazy, Chris. Like this is our Dark Dimension and Dormammu episode. And that's the leadership. That's the affiliation. It's going to always change every time a new model comes out. I'm excited. Human Torch and Dormammu's team. I Let's know. Let's I do know. it incinerate for days i know you know <laughs> who who knows you know it's cool stuff i mean i'm sure i'm sure fury and the commandos would be pretty good with them too absolutely fury's finest is supported by our wonderful patrons you can become a fury's finest patron by going to patreon.com slash fury's finest follow the show on social media find us on twitter at fury's finest cast and facebook instagram and twitch at fury's finest Email us at furiesfindus at gmail.com and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice to help us out. It really means a lot. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our show's music. And like Jesse said, please help spread the word. Every review helps. Every rating helps. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. You can find Chris and I online. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Awesome. No chat talk, huh? Man, I got, a whole, I got a whole season yeah, of that's thinking true. about like not being able to watch Chet play. So I'm proud of you. We'll just... You can only control what you can control, brother. That's right. Just like the Dark Dimension, you know, it's some of it's out of your hands. Some of it's not even of our world, but I'm really happy Dormammu's in the game. If AMG touches them in the future with some tweaks, that would be very interesting. But at the same time, they know the future and we don't, Chris. They know what releases Truth. are coming out and we don't. Every model is affiliated with Dormammu. They have to build the game that way, which is really tough for them. They might not never touch them because Great of that, point. that fact. They know what's coming, right? Bring Sentinels with Dormammu, right? Stop. You could. Tall boys. That's the name of the list. Tall boys. Great name. I. That's kind of what I was trying to allude to earlier in the episode. They picked a good 
character lore wise to experiment with this kind of eight threat thing, this bigger than six, you know, it just possesses it, everybody. Bingo. Part of this team, yeah. No matter what they, because let's face it, there's nobody out there just clamoring. There is, there's a few of you out there. There's always one. We know their names. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, Aethred's perfect for Dormammu with the rule set we've been given, right? Yeah, and whether he's dominant or not, he's competitive enough that if someone really loves Dormammu or loves this idea or this play style... Always a threat. He's always a threat, but he's not so good that everybody's got to have him. He's not so good that you're going to see him very often at all. And I don't know. I think they just made the right choice for this kind of foray into these these level characters with Dormammu. And I, I think they executed it pretty well. I do wish he was a little stronger, but like Jesse said, they know the future and we don't. Right. And when his dice go off, I mean, you just feel like you can't do anything, right? So it's like- Oh, yeah, man. It's baked into what he does and what he is. So I find that very cool. And I think every Dormammu player knows, myself included, like to play Dormammu. When I play Dormammu for fun, I just know that a lot of the game is going to be based off of my dice and how I use my other threats with him to the best of my ability. And that's kind of a cool factor of the of the leadership of the Dark Dimension. And I'm really into that. But yeah, it's been really fun to talk about the Convocation, Chris, and now the Dark Dimension and kind of close out our Convocation discussion. We hope you guys enjoyed this journey with us as we kind of went through all these mages, wizards, mystics it's been fun it's been really fun but we're gonna come back to in the future i assume oh yeah for sure we got some characters coming but this is really fun we hope you guys enjoyed this journey with us so until next time thanks for listening true believers excelsior the world has gotten even stranger than you already know at this point i doubt anything would surprise me 10 bucks says you're wrong 